Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Week Side Wednesday. So what usually happens on Week Side Wednesdays? I give you the prior week's games, kind of a recap. I also go over topics in the NFL that I want to cover and kind of discuss. Now this is episode three of season two of Week Side Wednesdays. And I want to go on record and I'm proud to announce something that's going to be happening. I'm making an adjustment to what Week Side Wednesdays are and also going to make an adjustment to the entire Chopping It Up With CJ podcast universe. Now, we've already discussed being on YouTube, so I can have a video format version of this as well as the podcast and the audio version, which is available on Spotify and uh, Apple Pods and other places as well. So we've already discussed that. Weekside Wednesdays will be adjusted because I'm starting up something called Makeup Mondays. Okay, so... Weeks Out Wednesdays has generally covered the prior week's games, but there's so much to go over in the prior week's games when I also want to talk about topics that exist in the NFL world. So Make Up Mondays, or Make Good Mondays, Make Good Mondays will be the following. I will recap all of the prior week's games with a focus on the betting aspect of them. Basically, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? I'm going to talk about the confidence points that were applied and how that goes. I'm also going to, if I lose a game and I set a confidence score of seven, that's minus seven. If I win a game with a confidence score of 10, then that's plus 10. So I end up with plus three on the week. I'm hoping that I always am at least on the positive side each week. Otherwise, I'm not giving you good info. So that's what Makeup Monday is going to be. I'm also going to talk about futures and different things as lines move. It'll be more of the betting podcast it's not specifically that but that's the element that you'll get out of that for the people who are looking for that week side wednesdays will be more of the topics in the nfl that i want to discuss as well as topics and games in the college ranks especially guys who are draft eligible going into the nfl draft and even cfl i want to get some of that element in here as well so that's why i'm making an adjustment to how week side wednesdays are treated And also adding the new podcast, Make Good Mondays, in there. So, uh, for those of you all who are new to the show, this is a good one to to hear that on because I am making that adjustment. We're going to have Make Good Mondays, Weekside Wednesdays, Turf Talk Thursdays, Fantasy Football Fridays. And again, Make Good Mondays will be more of the recap of what happened. Obviously, the Monday game won't be in there, but we'll get Thursday and Sunday games in there. Uh, We'll talk about the betting element, my confidence scores, and also some futures that can happen on the NFL side. Weekside Wednesdays, I'll focus more on the stories that I want to cover. I will go into in-depth on some games further than I would on Monday, as well as recapping the Monday night game itself um, in that aspect. Turf Talk Thursdays will be the upcoming games. On Weekside Wednesdays, I will also, and on this episode, I will give you the fantasy football prediction or outlook for the upcoming game on Thursday night as well as the Thursday night overview on the specific game that's being played that way you have a little more time to think about it instead of getting it on Thursday Thursday show will be specific to Sunday and Monday night games and then fantasy football Fridays is just that anything that has to do with fantasy football in general for the upcoming weekend I want to do that on Fridays I want to get the most up-to-date information possible that's offered and get that to you because at the end of the day, fantasy football is very fluid. Uh, I am very lucky that 
a news station in New York City believes enough in me to have me as their fantasy football, um, basically their fantasy football go-to guy. Uh, I'm on that station, uh, Pix11 in New York. Um, we film it a little earlier than Sunday. It's not live. So I try my best to be as up to date at that moment, <laughs> but sometimes it plays out negatively. Kind of like with last week I did George Kittle was my must sit. That was going to be based on just the matchup, but then George Kittle wasn't healthy and also was rainy. So it was a pretty easy must sit when George Kittle wasn't even active. That's why on Fantasy Football Fridays, I want to give you the most up-to-date. I wait as long as possible to give you that fantasy football information because things change. There's only one practice walkthrough day uh, by that time. And again, that is something that I can do. All right. So without further uh, wait, we're going to go ahead and jump into Week Side Wednesdays. And I'm going to give you, like I said, several things. The upcoming NFL schedules Thursday night game is a really good one. Before I get into the topics I want to discuss, I want to discuss this game. Uh, This is going to be a really entertaining one because we get the guy who I've literally called the GOAT, and I don't fully mean it. What I mean is when you see something that's trending in a good place, like if you saw Michael Jordan in 1988 and you said he was the GOAT, people who told you you were wrong misunderstood what you were saying you were saying michael jordan was trending towards that i'm saying patrick mahomes is trending towards that tom brady is the goat best resume still doing it at 45 no one's ever done well 44 at least uh being one of those guys no one's ever done that in the past so he's the goat goat but as far as the guy i think is trending the quarterback that i've seen that i've never seen another quarterback in my lifetime be able to do the things with his arm that he's able to do that includes aaron Rodgers or any guy you want to bring up whether it's josh allen or the guy he's playing against justin herbert patrick mahomes is different period that's my belief justin herbert is an excellent quarterback he has all the physical tools we've talked about this with justin herbert he's just not patrick mahomes so, all right, what I want to do is I want to give you an overview of the game and also the fantasy aspect on it. So the overview of this game, this game, at least in my mind, or at least when I saw it started off at three points in favor of Kansas City. So this is Kansas City at home. For those of you all who are newer to betting or generally are unfamiliar, I'm going to give you this update. Those of you all who are familiar, you'll know this. On average, three points is dedicated to the home team when talking about an NFL game. It's anywhere from two to four points, depending on certain things, whether it's two points for a team that doesn't have a, a large home field advantage. There's no geographical or fan base like advantage. I'm going to pick on this team, not on purpose, but I just want to give an example. It'd be the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't have a lot of fans that show up to the game compared to, let's say, the fans in Tampa right now, because they have uh, a better product. So they would get two points, right? A team like Denver would get four for a home game because there's also the element of a physical change, being an elevation. So not only are they a good team with fans that show up, which gives them the full three points, they also have that physical element. So the averages between two and four points, which comes out three points, is dedicated to a team. So this opened as a, we think these teams are even, but Kansas City is getting three points because they're at home. It's now moved up to minus four. So while we're recording this, it's minus four for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to give you some keys to victory for both teams. For the city, for the, <laughs> I almost said it, the Los, Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to say San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers, their key to victory is they have to get pressure with four and also drop back shell coverage. 
over the top, but be aggressive up front. So what do I mean? They have to rush forward and they have to have their five guys underneath that next level. Be aggressive, not give Patrick Mahomes easy reads because Patrick Mahomes is not looking for the home run right now. He doesn't need to. He is going back to playing quarterback, which is something he went away from in points in time in the past because he had Tyree Kill. And it's easy to fall in love with throwing the deep ball, the big play to a guy like Tyree Kill. He doesn't have that anymore. The reason that the Chargers have to play in this manner, literally rush for most times or bring simulated pressure or basically make him think five or six are coming, but only make it four so that there's someone in the lane because he's going to make throws that most people can't make, if not anyone else. Have two over the top because as much as we want to talk about Tyree Kill and his speed, and that was dynamic, let's not act like they don't have two guys on their team who clocked at 4-3-something in the combine and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and also in name is slipping my mind right now and I don't know why and Nicole Hartman again guys who could just fly so they can get over the top with you especially if you allow them to so you still have to make sure that element's taken away but you want to make things difficult for him make him go to his third and fourth read not because he can't but because no quarterback that has the talent that he has whether it's him Josh Allen Lamar Jackson none of them want to go to their third or fourth read because they want things to happen quickly they're younger quarterbacks so they have to be able to do that on offense. They have to control and stay on schedule. They have to stay ahead of the sticks because as bad as Kansas City can be on defense, they have an adequate pass rush now. They've added Karloftis uh, to it, George Karloftis to that pass rush. He's not the quickest, twitchiest athlete, but he is an effective and efficient pass rusher who works really well opposite of a guy like Frank Clark, who is more twitchy in nature and also will sometimes play out of, outside of himself. Also getting pressure from the interior from a guy like Chris Jones. So you have to, as the Chargers, stay on schedule. Number two, you also have to do the following. Without a guy like Keenan Allen, you really have to make sure that they are threatened deep. Keenan Allen is a safety blanket in a lot of respects. He is not the deep threat, even though he can go deep. You have to make sure they respect it so that they back off in coverage. Because they're able to play aggressive up front. They'll force a guy like Justin Herbert into making mistakes. Justin Herbert's not a poor decision maker, but he's also a young quarterback. This is year three. So we can't expect him to beat Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady gets fooled time to time. On the Kansas City side, they have to do what they did against the, the Cardinals. Now, I had a lot of people last week saying, well, they played the Cardinals. With all due respect, please stop. While the Cardinals might not be the best defense in the NFL and might not even be in the top half, they're an NFL defense and they're not the worst. Okay, Kansas City destroyed every aspect of an an NFL team that was at one point last year, and I mean mid-season, not like the first three weeks, nine or ten weeks into the season, was the best team in the NFL by most metrics and also by record in in the Cardinals. So, they have to stay inside themselves. They can't allow what happened against, let's say, the Chiefs in sec- I mean, against the Bengals in the second half of the AFC Championship to happen. I don't think because they don't have Tyreek Hill, I don't think that's going to happen. On defense, they have to stay responsible. And again, a guy like Karloftis allows them to be able to do that because he is an effective rusher that's not necessarily a guy that needs to pursue in a twitchy manner he doesn't need to beat you with speed he can beat you with just craftiness and also he's responsible so you can't run on his side all in all uh i'm going to have the kansas city chiefs winning this one 
uh, 31 to 23. I think that they win this one pretty, not handily. They don't blow them out. But I think that four points is an easy cover to me. I give it a confidence level of eight. I think Kansas City is just a better team. I think Kansas City has a 90 plus percent chance of making it to the AFC Championship. I just have that much faith in them. And I know that the Chargers have an easier record or easier schedule. With all due respect, until I see them do it, until I see Brandon Staley be a coach who actually wins games when it matters, until I see Justin Herbert actually be a quarterback that wins games when it matters. And by the way, both guys are, I understand why people have faith in them. Justin Herbert, especially. Physically, he is a super gifted guy, good dude, intelligent person, but he just doesn't win games that matter. So I need him to start doing it. Peyton Manning went through the same thing. A lot of people have gone through the same thing. So I need to see it. And as far as Brandon Staley, I'm not going to sit here and act like he's even, I don't have nearly as much faith in him as I do in a Justin Herbert, but I don't lack faith in him. Like I do a guy who coaches in his same division after one week. And we'll get into that later. So I have Kansas city chiefs winning by eight 31 to 23 and which is hilarious, but and covering that minus four with a confidence score of eight. The thing that's hilarious, the over-under is 54 in this game. And my uh, combined score without having seen the over-under, and this is hilarious. Again, I don't look at these over-unders. I don't even look at these things until I predict the score. It's 54. My combined score is 54. 31 and 23. By the way that these metrics work out, it should have Kansas City winning 29 to 25 in a regular score. But that's how these things work out. If it's a four-point spread with a total of 54, you take 54 divided by two, make it 27, and you take four divided by two, the spread, and you add two to one score, minus two. So you get 29 to 25. I have 31 to 23, which is a more reasonable outcome in a game. And at the end of the day, I truly, truly believe that this is what's gonna happen. All right, I wanna get into some of these topics. make this show a little shorter than normal, but that's why I wanted to expound on the Thursday night game. Um, Oh, before I get into the topics, fantasy football uh, plays. Uh, So on the Chiefs side, it's super simple because no one's injured. You're going to play Patrick Mahomes, obviously. You're going to play Travis Kelsey, obviously. I think a good play this week is Juju Smith-Schuster. If you have him, you start him. He's a wide receiver too, a low end. I think he's going to probably be ranked about 19th or 20th if I was doing a full ranking on the receiver position. I actually like this week, Nicole Hartman. I think he can get over the top. No J.C. Jackson or at least a limited version of J.C. Jackson if he's there. Juju will play on the interior. Nicole can get loose on the outside. And even though Juju will be guarded by a guy like Asante Samuel Jr., who is a great cornerback, if J.C. Jackson is there, he will probably be a limited version, and they're definitely not going to put him on the speed guy, especially not McCole Hartman, so watch out for that. As far as the running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think that he's a solid play this week as a flex. I think he'd probably be ranked number 20 or 25 to 25 in my running back rankings this week in a PPR format. Even in a standard format, I think it's reasonable to say he's in that same range. Um, on the Chargers side, what you want to do is you want to play Justin Herbert, obviously. You also want to play... Austin Eckler, obviously. As far as the wide receivers, you can start start Josh Palmer, especially in a daily fantasy format. He's probably going to be cheaper priced because the news about Keenan Allen didn't come out and get confirmed until a couple of days ago. They set those lines on Monday. So usually they injured players. Their replacement is usually a lower priced one. In tourneys, he might not be a great play, but in normal daily fantasy formats, 
he will be a solid play because he'll be low priced in tourneys. You'll get a lot of people playing him and the upside's not there. Um, as far as the other guys, Gerald Everett looked active in this uh, offense. Wearing number seven, which is an interesting number for a tight end. I like it. For some reason, that makes it a little swaggy to me. It makes me think, okay, <laughs> he's a matchup problem. And I think that he'll give the Kansas City Chiefs, especially without having Tyron Matthew, now that they have a more true free safety in a guy like Justin Reed, kickoff specialist as well. They will not have someone to cover him. So I think the tight end could be a good play this week. As far as the defenses, I don't want to. And Mike Williams, by the way, if you drafted him where you draft him, you have to play him no matter what. Me personally, I wouldn't draft him in any format at any point. Because unless it was in the 10th round or later, I'm not drafting a guy who literally never gives me consistency. Uh, Defenses, I wouldn't play the Chargers or the Chiefs. Yes, you generally don't have the Chiefs probably as a defense, but their defense played really well last week. You generally have the Chargers as a defense because they have two great edge rushers. I don't think they're going to get enough out of their defense to justify playing them when they're going to give up what I think is 30 plus points. So these topics I want to run through. Again, I want to get to some of these topics. I want to dive into them. The first one I want to dive into is the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Because everyone wants to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, right? Because they moved the needle. I want to talk about them, not because they moved the needle. Honestly, I don't give a crap. I, I'm just not. How do I say this nicely? I'm not a sports idiot. A sports idiot to me is someone who consistently wants to listen to ridiculous fodder about a team. And then have an opinion. I don't have time for that. I just don't. If it's a ridiculous commentary, if you want to have an actual conversation about something that's meaningful, let's do it. But when we want to talk about the same dumb stuff about the same dumb team for the last 20 years, it's stupid and I don't like it. I don't have time for it. I'm not on certain networks where I have to utilize reality TV show tactics to make people watch me because I don't have good enough content. Maybe that's mean to me. I don't really don't give a crap. Maybe I'm never going to get hired by those networks. I really don't give a crap either because if that's the product they're putting out, with all due respect, I think it's trash. And I think they're trash for putting it out. So respect me how you want to or disrespect me. I really don't give a shit. All right. So I do want to talk about the Cowboys from the aspect of their offense and Dak Prescott as a whole. So he had an injury to his hand that affected his thumb. Now, I'm not a doctor by any means, but I have listened to multiple sources and multiple people talk about this injury. Apparently, what happened with his surgery, where they were able to insert a plate but not have to put a pin in it or not have to put a screw in it, is the best possible scenario. Putting the plate in it without the screw is a great thing because the screw, the body would have to heal around said screw and the plate. It's easier apparently to heal around the plate because that is not an obstructive thing. It's a support thing. So... The tissue is able to heal quicker than, let's say, a bone would. If you had to put the bones together with something, the bones would have to heal. It takes a longer time. That's, again, not a doctor. Doctors can probably, you know, combat me on that. That's what I got is the understanding of it. And that's why I'm delivering it to you as best as I understand it as a person who's not a medical professional. So his timeline went from six to eight weeks to more of a four to six week timeline. The four week is the minimum side because he needs time for that to heal. The six week is the safer side because it's heal and functionality. He can heal, but then can he be functional as a quarterback who grips the ball with that hand? I hope that the Cowboys aren't stupid enough 
By the way, Cowboys, you're not winning the Super Bowl. You're going to come nowhere close. You probably weren't making the playoffs this year anyway. And I predicted that you wouldn't make the playoffs. I literally predicted that you had a 0% chance of making the playoffs. I had you at 8-9. With this injury, you're a 5-12 and team. Maybe 6-11. and And that's because Dak Prescott is not going to be there. And you're not going to win any of the games he's out. You'll literally lose to the Giants while he's out. That's how bad it is. But here's what the Cowboys, in my opinion, need to do to fix their offense. You ready? Let's go ahead and talk about the offensive line. Because people were like, the Cowboys didn't do enough to make do-do-do-do. And I'm like, you know what? I watch these people on TV, and I respect you for what you've done in the past. But maybe you don't know what the hell you're talking about in the future. The Cowboys line was a, a casualty of attrition and also having to pay people. So Connor Williams and Lyle Collins left. But they did draft a guy named Tyler Smith in the first round. Okay? They tried to address it. So for those who were like, they didn't do anything to address it, shut up. They tried, okay? And they got a guy in the first round from a school. Yes, he was overdrafted in my opinion. He's more of a third round pick, but they went and got a guy they liked. A nasty, tenacious guy who, yes, gets a lot of penalties, but in general, he fits their mold of what they want. And they were going to have him play left guard most likely. Well, Tyron Smith went down. Who the hell, yes, you can expect it because he's been oft injured, but you don't say, you know what? We expect you not to make it through the season. So, while we might get insurance like a normal team would do for any player, especially one that has a bit of an injury history, we're not going to say, we know you're not going to make it till, to game one. You might expect him to get hurt during the season to some extent. You should definitely expect him to make it to game one, but he got hurt in the preseason. So, they had to slide Tyler Smith out to, to left tackle. Connor McGovern also went down in the first quarter of week one. Okay. With all due respect, they signed Jason Peters to get him back into the fold, to get some, or get him into the fold, to get someone who's a more adept player at knowing how to handle different rushes so that they could move uh, Tyler Smith back in. Again, McGovern goes down. So now they don't have Peters yet because he's not ready. You have a rookie playing at left tackle who's really not a left tackle uh, in the NFL. And then you lose your starting guard. For those of you all who say the Cowboys, they didn't do enough. At least they tried. Don't act like they didn't try. It's just bad luck and misfortune. Number two, wide receivers left. Yeah, they went and drafted a wide receiver in the third round. Okay? And they brought in James Washington with the knowledge that Gallup would probably return sometime during the season. James Washington went down. Tober wasn't ready to be the guy. And Gallup is not ready. So... For those of you all who said, well, they didn't add these people. With all due respect to Julio Jones, who apparently is already injured. Who looked great in week one on one play. For those of you all who want to talk Julio Jones up, with all due respect, it's blasphemous and honestly, it's pathetic to say Julio Jones looked good last week compared to Julio Jones. That's not Julio Jones. That's a dude with Julio Jones' name and a jersey that says Jones in the back playing for an NFL team but that's not Julio Jones okay it's just not it's not if you think that's Julio Jones you're either a Bucks fan or you're related to or love Julio Jones that dude didn't look good last week he looked better than he looked last year but he didn't look like Julio Jones so let's freaking stop it okay <sighs> alright anyway I, it, it frustrates me to hear people say stuff that's nonsensical 
when you really think it through. Julio Jones was not going to help this Dallas Cowboys team out, especially with what happened, because Julio Jones is an often injured player. He would have done better bringing in Larry Fitzgerald, who didn't get injured virtually ever, than Julio Jones, someone who can catch the ball because Julio isn't consistent as a catcher. He started his career off like that. He ended his career like that. If you tell me I'm wrong, go look at the drop rates. Inconsistent catcher compared to his contemporaries on that upper echelon level. Never that issue whatsoever with Larry Fitzgerald. By the way, he has more career tackles than drops. You heard what I said. All right. So the wide receiver position. People say they didn't pursue it. And this is why all the stuff's happened with CD Lamb. With all due respect, they could have pursued it harder. I agree with that. But it's not like they didn't try anything. They've had misfortune. A lot of it. But let's go ahead and get these things straight. The real issues with the offense. Number one, stop using Tony Pollard as a third down running back. He can't pass protect. He doesn't know what he's doing when he's in routes on third down. You're doing it because he's fast. You're an idiot as a coach if you keep putting a fast guy in who can't block or pass protect and doesn't know how to actually run routes on third down. Anyone who watches the game knows that him being a third down running back is stupid. Stop using C.D. Lamb as an X. C.D. Lamb, when he came out, was not an X. You know what C.D. Lamb was, and he's always been? A dynamic and dominant slot receiver. Hey, can Cooper Cup play the X? Sure, so can C.D. Lamb. Hey, is that the best place to put him? No, because both guys, for different reasons, but both guys dominate the slot. C.D. Lamb, as an X receiver, is a bad move by a coaching staff that says, well, he's number one on the depth chart, and we like to play John Madden football, and he got the highest rating. Well, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Might sound mean. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but guess what? Did the offense look good with C.D. Lamb at the X? Real question. Because maybe I just maybe I'm just a moron. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't know football. Or it could be. And it's pretty simple. Put Noah Brown at the X. Is he a dominant X? Absolutely not. Does he play more like one than CeeDee Lamb? You damn sure know he does. And when James Washington comes back, guess who can play the X? James Dan Washington. And then you put Michael Gallup at the Z and you put CeeDee Lamb in the slot so he can eat all day. All right, by the way, talk about Tony Pollard. Why don't you try running Zeke at, uh, run the ball with Zeke more. You know, he had a apparently a sprained PCL last year. For those of you all who've never had it, I'm going to tell you this. The fact that he played any games and even looked like an NFL player is amazing. See, for you all who've never played sports at a high level, these injuries that these guys deal with, and I've never played in the NFL. I tried to walk on it in, in college. I did the walk-on thing, right? I did. I Put it like this. Injuries affect these dudes. In certain injuries, it's amazing to watch how good these dudes are able to still be. Is Zeke still Zeke from year one? No, guess what? No running back in year seven or six is the same running back as year one because the NFL batters and bruises those dudes. But is he cashed or washed? You're an idiot if you think so. So, use him more. And use Tony Pollard more as a motion wide receiver. Use the receivers or Tony Pollard in motion. Try to determine where the defense is. Adjust the line by making them move from side to side so that there's more available holes since you don't have a strong uh, dominant offensive line. And then 
Use Tony Pollard on, a, on the boundary more. Put him on the outside. You know what happens? Declarative statements. Cornerbacks on Tony Pollard, it's probably zone. Unless they're doing some sort of odd coverage. Guess what? If a linebacker's on CeeDee Lamb and you use him as the X, uh, as, as the slot, eating. Or they'll flex a linebacker out there or a safety. It'll give easy reads to your quarterback, who's now Cooper Rush, or even Dak Prescott. Easier throws. It's okay to make things easier on, on quarterbacks. Tom Brady struggled with a difficult offense from the perspective of it was throw the ball downfield, YOLO, you only live once. Tom Brady said, this is stupid. I'm really good at football. Let's do this. And he went from throwing 28 touchdowns and 11 interceptions to 12 touchdowns and one interception the rest of the season once they made those changes to what Tom Brady wanted. Same thing. Why don't you just make it easier on Dak Prescott or any quarterback? So that's how you fix the Cowboys offense. Okay. Let's move on to the next quarterback and the next topic, and that's going to be Trey Lance and whether or not they should let Jimmy Cooks. You know, Trey Lance is the future of the quarter, uh, quarterback for the 49ers franchise. But is he ready? I've watched him, and I don't care if you want to talk about the weather. The dude's not ready to play. Is he talented? Yes. So he can supersede certain things. See, if you have, I'm going to pick on a guy, Mac Jones. If Mac Jones was as prepared as Trey Lance is, Mac Jones would have never made it to the NFL. He's not nearly as talented. Mac Jones was prepared to play. Trey Lance is not. Okay. So, should they let Jimmy G play a quarterback? You damn sure are right they should. And for you people who think they're going to lose the locker room, here's how this goes. Grown men are grown men. They understand things. Everyone in that locker room understands this. Jimmy G can win regular season games. What is Jimmy G bad at doing? Winning playoff games. Or exceeding the expectations when things get out of hand Jimmy Garoppolo can't exceed himself like he can't play outside of himself but what is he good at doing being on schedule doing the right stuff right so you should let Trey Lance keep learning absorbing be utilized as the future because by the way until this new NFL where by the way I'm gonna say this and get it over with I'm so tired of this new need it now culture you lazy pieces of garbage you people who need it so instantaneously maybe i'm just being really really emotional and overly aggressive on this particular podcast but i'm tired of this culture of it needs to happen now no sometimes especially with quarterback you know that they used to let people sit on a bench for a couple of years steve mcnair who was clearly better than chris chandler still sat on the bench till like year three why that's what they do. Trey Lance is not ready. Anyone with eyes who is a coach can tell you he's not ready to lead that team. But guess what? He's quarterback right now. Guess who should be the quarterback right now in the regular season? Jimmy Garoppolo. Will they lose the locker room and there'll be any dissension? No, because guess what? Those dudes want to win. And when they know that they need someone who will eventually be ready, who you've traded all these picks for, that you're ruining right now, they'll know he'll come in. And will Jimmy G have a problem with it? Sure, he's a competitor. But will he make a stink about it? No, because Jimmy G's not a clown. But I'm, re- I'm, I'm so tired of this, we need this right now culture. And what's the difference in the offense with Jimmy G versus Trey Lance? Trey Lance is more dynamic, so it gives more options. But the offense is predicated on 
good decision making and putting things in a perspective where they're supposed to be putting things in a place why does jimmy g win because he's more talented than the backup bums that they've had when i say backup bums i mean versus their contemporaries is cj bethard or nick mullins a better quarterback than me you bet your ass they are but i'm not a quarterback in the nfl so when they keep saying all these stupid stats which i think are just dumb jimmy g's a winner this team doesn't win with other quarterbacks I mean, well, the other quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, uh, even Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins even. No, it was C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. I don't even know who else. That's how bad the other quarterbacks were. That's why Jimmy G has the best record, because he's the best quarterback they've had. Period. Again, if they had Kirk Cousins, honestly... I'll say this right now, and it's hard for me to say this because I don't think he's that good in clutch situations. They had Kirk Cousins. They don't want a Super Bowl. Two of the last three years. Period. That's just to show you. Jimmy G is good enough to keep this offense on schedule so Trey Lance can do what Jimmy G can except play outside the structure. All right. Did they draft the right quarterback? Now, this is a big level of contention for me because... When I mocked this whole scenario, I heard, you know, yeah, I made Trevor Lawrence my number one quarterback. I don't have a problem with that, even though I made this statement. Gene Clemens had Justin Fields his number one quarterback. He wasn't that far off. He wasn't wrong. In my opinion, that's a completely reasonable scenario. But I did think, and I've said it, in a head-to-head two games, Justin Fields is better. And anyone who tells you that I'm wrong about that, don't trust them. Watch film with me and watch film with them. And I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they played. Watch it with with the both of us and watch us pick out who played better quarterback doing the things you're supposed to when Justin Fields and and Trevor Lawrence played against each other. Okay? Number two is the following. That was set in stone. He was already going to be the guy. The other guy was going to be, and I don't get it, but Zach Wilson was the guy that the Jets were going to take. So number three, who's sitting there? Justin Fields was perfect for this team, and they bypassed him because of the things that people like Chris Sims said about his mechanics and stuff. And with all due respect, I'd rather fix mechanical problems than understanding and heart. Justin Fields understands the moment, and he has the heart to make it happen. So mechanical problems, cool. Again, I can fix those. I can't fix understanding big moments or heart. That's literally your GOAT. Your GOAT, Tom Brady, who I agree is the resume GOAT. And right now, I put him as still the GOAT. That dude understands how to play in the big moment, and he's got heart. And if I got a guy that has similar traits, Justin Fields, that guy can be fixed. Tom Brady got a stronger arm he was able to train and be different so all i'm saying is san francisco 49 is screwed the pooch because they wanted to go with a guy that probably interviewed very well and while he's talented trey lance in my opinion will never be better than justin fields as a quarterback that's just me no matter what he does he'll never be better than justin fields as a quarterback because honestly out of that quarterback class justin fields is going to end up being the best of all of them it's just that the other guys trevor lawrence especially will get way more opportunities to be great.
But I'm going to stick on the same topic of quarterbacks. I want to move on to a quarterback that's not young, like Trey Lance, or not even, I don't want to say <sighs> poorly judged, because I think Dak Prescott gets both a lot of credit and a lot of blame, but I think that's just being a quarterback. He finally got his money and finally has some appreciation early in his career he didn't get. But I want to go with Aaron Rodgers. And it's a conversation of, is he doing enough to help the Packers win? You know, showing up to camp, working with his receivers. I'll say this. Is he doing enough to help the Packers win? Duh. Man, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'll start there so you can get what I'm saying on this. Because there are people I'm fans of. You know, I talk highly about Lamar Jackson. I think he's, one of, he's a great human outside of just being a, also being a great football player. I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I haven't been in a long time. I appreciate him, and I've called him the best quarterback in the game from physical standpoint until Patrick Mahomes existed. So I try to, I say all that to show you where I'm coming from. Maybe I can say I have a certain bias if I'm a fan of his and I'm speaking out of turn about who and what he is. That man won back-to-back MVPs. To be candid, I don't think he deserved both of them. That's me if I was voting. But other people, it's not egregious that he won it. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, he would have been in my top three in both years. But I, don't think, I wouldn't have voted for him in either year. Um, all due respect, is he doing enough? You damn sure bet he is doing enough. Now, people want to talk about, well, Tom Brady was working out in parks and all that. Man, shut up. And the reason I say shut up, and I'm being very aggressive on this show, because I'm tired of people having these narratives where they want other people to do things that, A, they wouldn't do themselves, or B, they would do themselves because they're not great. See, we can sit here and say whatever we want to until the rubber hits the road. A lot of people, they're hypocrites. A lot of people are people who will say, well, this person needs to do this, this, or this. And with all due respect, they're pathetic because they wouldn't do the same. They're just talking because they get to talk. Now, there are people who would bust their tail and do those things. But much like myself, see, I would have to, to have played in the NFL because I'm not as gifted as an Aaron Rodgers. See, Aaron Rodgers is the former MVP of the league two time. Is he, could he do more? Sure. Hell, Tom Brady could do more. Peyton Manning could have done more. Everyone who's ever done anything in the world can always do more than what they're doing. Is he doing enough? Yeah, he's doing enough. Now, what happened in week one, I don't think would have been fixed by Tom, uh, by Aaron Rodgers having more time with his team. It wouldn't have. Because what they had was an issue with young players not understanding the game. No matter how well you train them, till bullets are flying at you, you don't know how you're going to react in war. You can prepare for it. And I know that's a poor analogy because war is actually war. But what I'm saying is, until something's happening, you don't know how you're going to be in that scenario. And those guys didn't show up. Whether it's Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson, they weren't the guy. They just weren't. And it's okay. They're young. So is Aaron Rodgers himself doing enough? Yeah. I think he's doing enough. Will this become a thing later in the season? Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers and his team look terrible eight weeks into the season and by the way, he didn't play well in week one. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Even though his team dropped balls, Aaron Rodgers 
looked like a worse version of Russell Wilson where he was moving out of the pocket when unnecessary. He was holding on to the ball too long. Sometimes he should have just dirted the ball. Sometimes he should have altered the play to a run play. All of these changes were fine, but Aaron Rodgers wanted to play hero ball. Why? Because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. I'm okay with Aaron freaking Rodgers thinking that in week one, playing hero ball is okay. You know why? Because the dudes are back-to-back envy freaking P. Sometimes we just want to talk about stuff and we want to like put our own values on people. Again, I'm not even an Aaron Rodgers fan. I wouldn't hang out with dude. Dude, if he came and talked to me and we were on the same team, I'd be like, nah, you're good. Keep that pumping. Keep it moving. I give him the respect he deserves for being a great quarterback, but I wouldn't want to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. He seems like a very annoying person to hang out with. Like we go out to a nice restaurant and he have something negative to say about the experience. Because one thing out of the hundred that happened wasn't great. He'd pick out the one thing. He seems like that dude. That's just me. Again, I, I don't care. I really, I literally don't care. His job is to do the best job possible on the field, on the practice field. If he didn't do enough in the offseason, what I'm telling you is not much would have been solved in week one if he would have gone out there and thrown in a park with those dudes, any of that. There would have been very few things that would have been different. Those dudes weren't ready for prime time in the moment. Christian Watson didn't drop that ball because he's bad at football. He dropped that ball because the moment was big. And it happens. Will he be better? Yes. Guess who also dropped a lot of passes? Hell, last season in the preseason, people were stupid enough to talk about Jamar Chase not being good because he was dropping balls in preseason. Guess what happened? He destroyed the NFL. He set the rookie record for most receiving yards. Hell, Julio Jones, who I mentioned earlier on this show, was a bum when he came to catching balls early in his career. He had the highest drop rate in the NFL one year. Was always in the top 10 in drop rate early in his career. You know why? Because sometimes even the greats have issues. I'm not saying Christian Watts is going to be Julio Jones or even Jamar Chase. But what I'm saying is, it was week freaking one. Dude played in North Dakota State. That dude wasn't ready for prime time. Eventually, he will be. And for those of you all who are like, well, Devontae Adams, this. There's a person who, I think it was 2016, I drafted Devontae Adams to be a number one receiver in the fifth round because Jordy Nelson tore his ACL in the preseason. And Devontae Adams was a freaking bum that season. He was pathetic. You know why? Because he was freaking young and he had to learn how to be an NFL player. These dudes don't all just come out fully formed. They're not all Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Some of them take some time. Some of them are Devontae Adams, and it's year three before they're actually good. All right, so we're going to move on to the next topic. What the hell happened on Monday night? Like, let, let me just unpack what I thought happened on Monday night. So, in our, a podcast last year when the hiring cycle ended, I, and I stick to this, so Nathaniel had to get hired. And I, congratulations to him. I still mean that. Congratulations to him. It's a big deal for you to get hired in a position that you want. I don't specifically understand why he was hired. It's not like, to me, the following happens. Let's say it was Todd Bowles with the Bucks last year getting a job outside of his previous coaching, uh, head coaching experience. If the defense was excellent and your head coach is known as an offensive aficionado, it makes sense. But when you came from a place where you didn't even call plays and you were the OC for a situation where the current head coach is still the play caller, I don't understand how you're thought of as an excellent candidate. Um, But, you know, you also have the background of having your 
dad be a former NFL head coach. So, you know, nepotism is a big thing in the world in general, but especially in the NFL and the coaching ranks. Go look into, and I think Bamani Jones did a great job uh, tying all the knots on this. I think like 90 plus percent of NFL head coaches come from like someone who's basically related to uh, uh, someone who was a coach in the past. It, it, it's it's an insane situation. Does that mean you're going to be good at your job? Probably not. Some people are just idiots who have genius parents and vice versa. Some geniuses come from parents who you wouldn't call the smartest people on the planet. I'm saying all this because what I watched from Nathaniel Hacken on Monday night in his first game as a head coach was, I say this and I don't often think that this is even a reasonable statement. I think I could have done the same job, if not better. And I really, actually, truly, in my gut, mean that. This is not me being hyperbolic at any point. I think part of being a head coach in the NFL, when you have other capable people around you, is just decision-making. It's not about you being a football genius. You just have to make decisions and make them in a timely manner. You have 40 seconds to make a decision each play. You know that a fourth down is possible or coming. You know the end of a half is coming. You know the end of a game is coming. So if your plan of action was what the plan of action was by Nathaniel Hackett on Monday night, I can only think that you have no clue what you're doing. You should never have that position with your current skill set. Maybe in the future. Okay? Because what I watched on Monday night was a travesty. You had a former NFL MVP, multiple-time MVP, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning, losing his mind on on national television on a paid, on, on a Manning cast. You had me sitting here going, are you an idiot? Are you an idiot? Wait, wait. And I'm looking at Russell Wilson's face. Russell Wilson, and yo, I'm going to go in on what Russell Wilson is and how I feel about people with respect to Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson's face said, this is the play call I got in my head. This is stupid, but this is the play call. Because you watched guys shuffling around who didn't have the, play, the, the, the call in their headset. And they're shuffling around, running everywhere. And you know Russell Wilson's like, no, 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 just go where you're supposed to go. This is stupid, but go where you're supposed to go, and then we're going to call a timeout because my coach is an idiot. What I want to go on about Russell Wilson is a little different. I'm going to change gears for a second, and I'll get back to Hackett. I'm going to start here with Russell Wilson. I'm going to be real personal about this. Those of you all who've never seen me, look, my picture exists everywhere. You can go on Twitter, at CJFlorida9, and look me up. I'm a black male. I don't trust black males who don't like Russell Wilson because he's corny. This goes for everyone, whether you played in the league with him, whether you played in the league, period, whether you're just a fan. If you're a black man that doesn't like Russell Wilson because he's corny, you're pathetic in my eyes. You can get at me if you need to. I'm always here, baby. Look, I'm a blur. I'm a black nerd, but I'm from Hollygrove. So if you needed to get real, it can get real, real quick with me. So I'm going to just tell you, I don't trust people that have my same skin color that don't like Russell Wilson because he's quote unquote corny. Is he corny? Yeah. That's not the reason to not trust him or like him. That's stupid. You know what you need from your NFL quarterback if you're a damn fan or someone in his locker room? You want to ask yourself if you're in the locker room, is he a company man? And what I mean by that isn't. You're going to always say the right thing. I mean, is the company more important than the people that are in it? Is he the type of person who's going to report back things you said? Is he the type of person that's untrustworthy? Is he the type of person that's always going to have the best interest of the company or himself 
in concert together over the general team. See that, that's when you don't trust Russell Wilson. Because it really bothers me if someone is like that, right? If you're a company man who does that, maybe that's really what Russell Wilson is behind the scenes. Again, no one's ever come out and say that. It's usually the, he's corny, he's corny, he's this, he's that, he's corny. Which again, I think that's stupid and pathetic. All right. So if he's that, if he's that dude who's behind the scenes being worthless to his teammates, I get it, okay? But otherwise, nah, y'all got to stop with that. Because judging somebody because they're quote-unquote corny, unless it's a cool contest, which most of life isn't, unless you're still stuck in high school, with all due respect, It's pathetic. Like I, 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 I'm dead serious. People are gonna get if you get mad at me about this. I really, literally, do not care. I am unbothered. If you got a problem with me, say it to my face. You could beat my tail. Likely not gonna happen. But I just don't like, especially black dudes talking bad about a black man about being quote unquote corny and that being the reason that you you cannot be a fan, but legitimately like being hateful towards someone. Man, you pathetic as hell. Go fix yourself. Get better. So that's my Russell Wilson thing. But I'm going to get back to And he didn't play well on Monday, by the way. He did not play well. That offense, the reason the Denver Broncos were in position to score multiple point, multiple touchdowns and didn't was because they're just a better team than the Seattle Seahawks. They didn't play better. 